Where to begin? Um, we've plunged in last week to this book called Living Without Fear, and a lot of kudos to Reverend Sharon for really um, starting us off in grand style last week. Really, the premise here is that we can have unlimited, fully exploded in love lives. And, and she did a good start on really explaining that we have choices on this planet. She explained very clearly, I think, some of the fear that keeps us almost mesmerized. Have you ever been almost mesmerized by something that was a little off-putting, like deer caught in the headlights? I think that's what they call it, isn't it? And, and we're trapped there almost like, oh my God, you know, like the freight train's coming at us, and we're right on the tracks, almost waiting for it to just plow into us. Well, the good news about last week is Sharon gave us some very good tools and thoughts for avoiding that freight train, for making a different choice, for claiming for our own self our own level of power, really helping to, despair, to dispel some of these ideas of fear and lack and limitation in our lives. Well, this week I'm wanting to amp it up a little bit because what I know about the idea of unlimited spiritual growth, it isn't just the things that we're patently afraid of. It isn't just the speeding freight train coming at us. So in fact, some days I wish it were so easy to identify the things that imperil my unlimited spiritual growth. So today we're going to talk about some of the perhaps more mundane aspects of things that keep us from unlimited spiritual growth. But you know, that is what the promise is. And I wanted to read you this quote from Ernest Holmes, because really he believes, as I believe, that we're in the middle of a spiritual liberation such as this planet has never seen before. Here's what he wrote. And this, as Sharon pointed out, this brand new book that he wrote, what, 50 years ago? Yeah, she, she's laughing. Um, some of these were published in the Science of Mind magazine close to 50 years ago, and this is one of the early articles. And he said, the natural order of evolution has brought us to a place where there is a quickening of the spirit, a keener perception of the mind, a deeper introspection of the soul. The veil between spirit and matter has grown quite thin. We are emerging into a spiritual universe proclaimed alike by the philosopher, the religionist, the scientist, and the idealist. He absolutely proclaimed and believed that unlimited spiritual growth was ours to experience. And today I want to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the things that stand in the way of that so that we can get on with it. All right. Um, would you help me with this, Adam? Uh, the other day, uh, my partner, um, da uh, Daniel, and I went to a restaurant, and I wanted to use this a little bit by way of introduction to my talk today. So as we came into the restaurant, you know, some sweet classical music, and the waitress oddly said, do you mind if I seat you over near the bar? We're kind of full tonight. And I, I kind of didn't realize so much at the time what that actually meant. But as we began getting closer to the bar, I sort of realized exactly what that meant, unfortunately. So we're, we're seated at the table, and one of my ears is hearing, you know, kind of nice classical music, and in the other ear I have, I don't know what, Lady Gaga, I'm imagining. And uh, we're kind of looking at the menu, and then before I realize it, what happens? 
they turn the television on. And now we've got the sports channel on top of it. So we're sitting here hardly even able to hear ourselves anymore as we're making our dinner plans. Okay, I think they have the idea. All right, yeah. And I'm guessing that you all have even been there before, right? Yeah, okay. So our quiet little dinner plans turned into something else. What I want to propose is whether there's a physical music track going on, you've already got this kind of stuff going on in your head already, don't you? Okay? So there's the, what, you, what, what in my example might be the, the lovely classical music. That's where our plans are. That's where our intentions are. That's where we're wanting to spend most of our time. That's where our thoughts of this unlimited spiritual growth is. This is where love and unity with God, this is where enjoying our families are. You know, this is the theme of our life, if you want, and yet... How often, mentally, are we seated near the bar? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We have the thoughts of, you know, why is my life going this way? Why did I get the flat tire? Why did the boss call me in on a Monday morning, first thing, and just ruin the whole week? You know, why? I, I mean, you can only help me fill in the blanks here. But aren't there about a million other tracks going on in there that often drowned out the serenity, the life, the love? And then there are even those voices that I don't even think are my own. My friend Pat used to tell me that every now and then she would say something, and in her mind it was her mother's voice saying it. Have you ever had the experience of either saying something or thinking something, and as soon as you thought it or said it, you went, oh my God, that's the thing, that's the thing that I said I would never say. That's the thing I always promised myself, that if I ever lived through puberty, I would never say that thing. And now I've said it to my own children, I've said it to my, my own husband or wife or whatever. Where do these thoughts come from? And how can we keep ourselves literally, if, well, figuratively in this case, from sitting too close to the bar? Well, first of all, I've got to tell you, some clarity is required. If, if, our, if our idea is that we are gain, going to gain unity with God, then think about what we're presenting to God. If we believe that God is all present and all aware, then, and if we believe that as part of the one mind, we up-level our own consciousness into unity with God, then what we're doing is we're subjecting God to the worst nightmare of a conversation than you can imagine, right? It's as though all of us are making God sit right in the bar with everything going on because we are lacking clarity of what our own spiritual true nature is. We're allowing the sweet melody of our soul, the peace and the joy and the love that we have within us and hold so dear, we're allowing that to completely be overlaid, much in my sound example of being in the restaurant. And this is what we're saying, here God, this is what I'm about. Boy, that's a job I don't even want. <laughs> Can you think of it? Because as that omnipresence, God is trying to say, yes, 
God is trying to say, I will be in unity with that. Of course God is. When we talk about our unlimited spiritual growth, God doesn't need to do anything to change. Have you ever thought about that? God is always willing to be in complete unity with us. It's almost like a definition. God is complete unity with us. And so the only thing that needs to change, if changes need to be made, are only our own willingness, if you will, to enter into that contract of greater love, greater union, greater peace, greater spiritual awareness, greater spiritual evolution, if you will. There's nothing that's keeping us from that picture that Ernest Holmes presented of an entire society being in tune with God. The only thing keeping us from it are these multiple tracks of thought, these multiple um, noises going on in our own heads. That's the only thing that's keeping us from experiencing that. And of course, our communication mechanism with God is prayer, is meditation, and even those areas, I think, are often muddled with this chatter going on in our mind. And I'll illustrate that with another quote from this lovely book. He says, prayer, or communication with God, prayer is a thought, a belief, a feeling arising within the mind of the one praying. This feeling becomes a complete belief and a perfect acceptance when the mind is completely in tune. The highest faith comes from the greatest spiritual awareness, and perfect faith is an unqualified acceptance of the desired result. And this acceptance is a mental attitude which cannot be shaken by any objective evidence to the contrary. So what he's saying here is, is when you're seated two next to the bar, you cannot let those other voices, that other music, that other discordant set of values waver us from what we know to be true. We need to be firm in our own sense of what unlimited spiritual growth can be for us. We have a sense of what that is. We know what's good for us spiritually. And we need to stick with that. doesn't matter what the outside is telling us. And the bad news is it doesn't matter what the inside is telling us, right? That second set of voices, that third set of voices, um, that chatter that's going on endlessly that's saying, why did the tire go flat? Why did that guy cut me off? What are we having for dinner? Do you know what I mean? All of those voices are there, and we need to stay firm to the course of what we know is good for us spiritually. What is good for us and true for us spiritually, which is love, which is peace, which is joy, which is fun, right? Well, I'm going to perhaps nauseatingly now, going to expand a little bit on my restaurant metaphor. So (laughs) please bear with me as we talk about some ways to gain clarity around our unlimited spiritual growth. Well, the first one, which is the most obvious, and that is simply, don't be seated too near the bar. We pick the people, the places, 
the situations, the experiences, the partners, and the lifestyles that make up our environment. Now, I'm sure there will be those of you in the audience that will come up and say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm an innocent victim here. I mean, I'm in this 20-year relationship, and I, and I live in this house, and I'm just, I have this job where the coworkers are rough, and I'm going to tell you that's bullshit. <laughs> you get to choose every single day. Now, these choices may be difficult. I'm not telling you that sometimes making a choice is going to be an easy one, but I am going to tell you, you're the one that allowed yourself to be seated too close to the bar, and if you don't like the music blaring away in there, then you make a choice. Okay, next. All right, take a breath. (laughs) Take a breath because we're moving on. All right. How do we expect to get what we want in this life when we don't know what it is? Do not just take what the waitress says is the special of the day. Honestly. I mean, you're in a restaurant, there's a menu. Look it over. Life is beautiful possibilities. You deserve more than just what they had too much of in the kitchen. (laughs) Honestly. Now, in the science of mind, we talk about this thing called um, race consciousness or, or the consciousness of the entire human race. And what I will tell you about it is that it plays the law of averages. And if you go with the special of the day, you are going to play into the law of averages. And that means that, that what, um, five of you will get cancer, that 14 of you will be in loveless marriages or relationships. You don't, you're not liking where this is going, are you? <laughs> All right, and yet I'm here to tell you that's the law of averages. And if you just take what they're serving as the special of the day, you can look forward to it. All right, enough said about that one. (laughs) Honestly, you deserve a great experience from eating out, don't you? Look over the menu. And every now and then when you really know what's right for you and it's not in the, on the menu, ask for it anyway. I went to a restaurant the other day, not this restaurant, I'm glad to say. Uh, I went to a restaurant um, with my partner the other day, and I'm looking over, and I went, oh my God, I'm a vegetarian. This is going to be a problem. So I just, I, when, the, uh, when the wait staff came up, I just said, you know, what I would really like is some kind of a lovely pasta dish with, with some kind of a cream sauce and vegetables. And, and I know that's not on here, but surely there is something here that would be lovely for a vegetarian like myself. And they brought me the best dinner ever. Nowhere was it on the menu, you know? Treat life like you want to order it. Absolutely. Okay, now on to the next thing. Uh, and this one, <laughs> you're going to laugh. Well, I'm having a good time today, so you'll probably laugh anyway. But... Um, <laughs> 
be prepared to pay for your meal. <laughs> now, I, su- I suppose this goes without saying, but if you want a really scrumptious and lovely spiritual path, you're going to have to pay for it, my dears. It's going to require a little bit of meditation. It's going to require a little bit of prayer work. You might want to think of some uh, scriptures or uh, some spiritual readings. Do you know what I mean? You're going to have to not just watch TV in order to become spiritually grown up in this world. Now there's a time for fun and there's a time for kicking back. There is a time even for taking what the daily special is. All right, it's okay. But you need to have a plan. You need to be willing to invest some of your time and your talent and your treasure into your spiritual evolution. You need to know what that looks like. You need to have investigated the menu. You have to know that you are worth having a greater connection with God and you're willing to pay the price. Sometimes the price is letting go of that seat next to the bar that may have been comfortable in the past. It may mean letting go some of those people that were friends for 20 years. If they and those relationships are no longer serving you, you need to be willing to let go of them. That may be part of your price for dining in a better circumstance. The price might literally be payment. The great spiritual books in this universe were written by people that need to earn a living. This center itself has bills to pay. When you find a place, a set of people, an environment, a set of books, great music, when you find this in the world, be willing to support it. It is part of your becoming one with God. Clear. On to the next thing. And this one I sort of love. This one is uh, uh, my, my partner, Daniel Hutchison. This is one that he swears by, and I believe that it's true. Some restaurants you simply politely refuse to ever go to again. <laughs> we, <laughs> it's very funny. We live two blocks from a restaurant that's open until, I think it's open until 4 a.m., and, and this would be a handy thing for two guys that don't cook all that much, right? We went in there the very first time, and he got sick from the food. There is no reason to go back. <laughs> and I have to tell you, a lot of us are in positions in our lives where we shouldn't go back there. There is never a reason to be verbally or physically assaulted or abused. There is never a reason to be in a position where you're tense and and, and freaked out all the time. In my own life, I remember having to get rid of a job that paid me very well because my boss was simply abusive. There isn't a kinder word for it. It's like every morning his idea of how you start the workday off was to kind of tell everybody how miserable they were. You know, individually and in public. (laughs) And I thought about this for a while because I was earning good money and the work itself wasn't bad. And I finally took a job elsewhere in the company that paid less. 
simply because what I realized was this was not something I was willing to subject myself to anymore. Do not go back to a restaurant where you were treated poorly, where the food's bad. You don't need to. There are a million options out there. Each of us is worth spending time and attention to make sure that our environment allows us to grow. We cannot grow spiritually when we're sitting in that bar. Do you know what I mean? When the music's blaring and things are coming at us and the voice of dissent is next to us and the people we're closest to keep telling us a story of lack and woe and disharmony and joylessness and despair. At some point, you just got to recognize you are worth more than that. And it might be a relationship that's been a long-time friendship that just doesn't serve you anymore. It might be a job where the paycheck is good and everything else isn't. It might be a, a, a group of friends or a club that you've been to for years. It, it doesn't really matter what it is. At some point, you look at it honestly and you see how does this measure in with my idea of spiritual evolution. Is this getting me closer to love? Is this getting me closer to experiencing the joy that I deserve on this planet? Now, I know there are always little blips. Even in the best restaurants, right? Every now and then, they have a different chef on duty, don't they? <laughs> Haven't they done that to surprise you? And you go to a place you've been to for years and you order something that you know is exquisite and when it comes, it's like, what is this? <laughs> and it's going to happen. And even though what we teach here is that everything happens for a reason and everything is you know, divinely inspired from what's going on in, our, on in our own head, I tell you every now and then the food is just served and it's rotten and you just make the best of it and you smile anyway, okay? Because what you know is the very next day this is a call for you to have greater clarity around what you do want to have experienced. When you have something that is anything less than perfect in your life, all it is is a call for greater clarity. What is it that you truly want? What is it that you truly deserve? What are the feelings and love and connectedness that you want to experience? What is the sense of, of feeling supported and, and being in the midst of life and God itself that you want to have. This is selecting wisely from the menus of life. This is choosing the best restaurants to frequent in life. All right. Well, I'm almost done with this corny metaphor. But, <laughs> but let me summarize with the last bit of this corny metaphor. And that is simply, please remember, you're out on the town. Please remember, life is being out on the town. You're here to have a wonderful time. You're here to experience the joy and the love and the peace. And what I know is, no matter where you go out to eat, you can bring that sense of joy with you. Be out on the town. Dress for it. Smile for it. 
Be ready to assume that it's going to be the best evening of your life. Do you know what I mean? I think back to when I went to my high school senior prom. And you know what? It kind of pales into comparison to some of the evenings I've had since then. But for its time, I was dressed hot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You have never seen a stretchy leisure suit that looked quite as hot as that did. And you know what? The bell bottoms were so big that they completely covered my shoes. I was dressed, I was dressed for the night of my life, and although, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't much, it was kind of a bad band, and you know, kind of just like snacks from Safeway kind of thing, and yet it was what I brought to it. Do you know what I mean? Isn't it what we bring to the party? It was me knowing that I was something. (laughs) It was everyone, it was everyone showing up knowing that they were someone. Okay, so tonight we're stepping out. Let's dress for it. Let's be ready for it. Let's have an evening to remember. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. It is this thing called life. And what I know about life is it's irrepressible. It's fun. It's clarity. It's the joy of living. This is God. This is God waiting to invite us into that unlimited spiritual growth. This is God opening arms wide to receive all of us in that sense of greater unity. More love, more life, more joy, more peace. It's all there. It is God. And as I know this is a general truth, I know that it means me. I know that as I have greater clarity on the good that I am to receive, as I know I have greater clarity about my own spiritual nature and spiritual growth, that God just says yes. That God easily can put aside all that random noise that sometimes I may present and hone in on the sweet truth of me as love, of life, as joy. And as it is true for me, I know it is true without question. For each person in this room, for each person here deserves the experience of a lifetime. And I have it in my heart for each person here that the best choices ever are made. That the best understanding of their spiritual nature is always held in their hearts. That the best service, that the best seating, that the best music, that the best time is had by all and all alike. Life is a banquet, and I know for each person in this room that it takes place in the best circumstances, that that allotment of joy and peace and love is infinite, and that each person here has the experience of their own life to the highest standards of beauty, of joy, of love. And I am simply grateful for this. I know, and I'm grateful for the possibility of it. 
And more than that, I am grateful and joyous for the reality of it. And so I release this prayer into the activity and the action of the lifestyle, knowing that it's good, knowing that it's fine, knowing that life is good right now. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you.